At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When there is a strong, um, a strong sense of belief, and I think the key is that it's credible. Um, people can hang on to that and really dig into that with um, it's compelling. It's compelling enough for me to want to figure it out and take action. Um, and it feels real to me. And I think the other thing with emotional contagions that's come out of that research is when, when that level of intensity is disconnected from reality, um, it actually has a demotivating effect. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menzoir. Mm-hmm. What's happening, folks? It's Thoughts That Rock. Your favorite podcast where we talk about uh, current struggles, strategies, uh, different things, get incredible guests to give you incredible advice, all done in the span of 30 plus minutes, somewhere in that ballpark. Brant, we've never finished less than 30 minutes in the history of our show. We've never done it. No, we've gone much longer than that. And we've lied to the audience for five years. That's all right. Yeah, but we're excited about today because um, a good friend of ours who we've known for a while, it's uh, my friend Donna Herbal. And mm-hmm. I will say this is one of those times where we wanted her to be on the show. And then she said, I can talk about four or five, six different things. And honestly, this was a good one for her to pick. It was how to up your execution game. And I think if people probably heard that, they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to get better just getting stuff done. But it is a little bit different um, than than just saying, you know, let's let's definitely get at it. Um, Donna's the founder of Blue Phoenix Learning, where she is a speaker, a consultant, um, an executive coach. Um, I think she likes to say she's the igniter of performance. She gets individuals and companies to obviously amp up their game um as as we'll learn in the episode here she's going to be the author of the upcoming book hope centered leadership so we had some some great funnies and discussions around the word hope um where i knew her was uh through chart the council of hotel and restaurant trainers she used to be the president there uh, which is a rotated position in but she at the time was the former vice president of culture and training right up my alley for Perkins restaurants and bakery. And so she's had an illustrious career and has jumped off the deep end and is doing her own thing. And we just, we, we couldn't be happier, but this balance of strategy and execution. Um, but she does talk about how to actually get some things done with excellence. So, man, I think it was a, a great conversation. And, and I know when we started it off, I wasn't sure if you guys had met, but she's actually been in our, certified rock star and she was also in one of your sessions so we all knew each other absolutely this was a great episode uh honestly so many great nuggets uh thank you of of useful information given by non-hosts that um i think this is going to be one of your (laughs) one of your favorite episodes you got to check out this conversation we had with donna rock owl donna herbal (laughs) is here What's going on, Donna? Oh, my God. Beautiful day in uh, sunny, snowy Minnesota. And I'm in the Hall of Greatness uh, with uh, with Thoughts That Rock and yes. uh, people I admire most. So great day. Oh, man. Man, we're already we're, – we're already, she's put us on a pedestal, Brant, already. What's going well, on? Well, Donna and I are rocking the, the bifocals here. And, Jim, like, I don't know why or how you still have good eyesight. <laughs> 
<laughs> but but um, one of these days you're going to have to have one, and then and then we'll be. She's look look at the cat eyes she's got on. I mean, they look fantastic. And yeah. I feel like Jim needs like some Elton John, you know, some big star glasses maybe or something. I don't know. What if yeah. I just got one, like a like, monocle? Just a monocle. <laughs> Very high. You know, Hello, welcome to Thoughts at Rock. I love <laughs> that it. That would be awesome. That would be cool. <laughs> it's funny that you're talking about the beautiful weather in uh, in Minnesota, but uh, in Florida, we just had the cold front come through. Brant, you're in Georgia. I don't know what it's like, but – it's a massive cold front. It's down to 68 degrees here. So it was we, 31. We it was 31 degrees this morning uh, in basically just outside of Atlanta. So that is, that's Woo. nippy for, we're for probably the colder South. than in Minneapolis, right? Yeah, I think you are. You're, uh, uh. you're, you're yeah. Congratulations. You can have it. Yeah. <laughs> that's like 360 days out of the year that's for right. me, but whatever. That's right. Well, this is very exciting for us, um, and and we were talking just before we went live that we've uh, we were trying to get Donna on. I think probably a month, month and a half ago, as we sort of do with all of our guests, and things come up because all three of us are speakers and consultants and soon to be authors. We're going to talk about that with Donna as well. Um, I've known Donna. Um, as I said in the introduction, for probably 20 years, it might even be a little bit longer than that, through CHART, the Council of Hotel and Restaurant Trainers. And she's met Brant before and been in some of our stuff, like Certified Rockstar. And, man, I was just really excited because she is a thought leader, not just in the industry. She's also getting a chance to get out there and do some more stuff. And what a great topic for us to talk about, how to up your execution game. So we definitely have a lot of business people that are part of our fan base and our audience. And so uh, I think this is going to be right up their alley. So we're just going to turn it over to you and let you uh, run the show, basically. And maybe you can start us off with uh, some of this great wisdom that you have. What is your first thought that rocks on how to do this? Yeah, I think, uh, and thank you for that. Talk about, you know, kind of putting up on pedestals. Appreciate the pass back. You know, when we talk about the art of execution in business, um, not, a, not a big surprise, um, you know, there's, there's stats and research that about 50% of the time, even up to 60, 70 percent of the time, great strategies just don't execute. Mm -hmm. And so leaders, executives, and teams really find um, very frequently that um, they're, uh, they're kind of running the same playlist over and over and over again of strategies and elements. So we talk about how to get from idea into actual execution and to get it done and get it done with energy and enthusiasm. I think the first, the first thing I would call out is to actually craft goals that spark action. Um, and what I mean by that is even in the language we use, people talk about, oh, you know, I have, you know, I have goals or my team has goals. Like we have, you know, lint in our pocket um, and using stronger language, action language, um, we're pursuing goals, um, we're achieving goals, we're going after it um, can be really, really powerful. It is when you talk about this too, let's say uh, a department or a, a company or maybe even an individual just doesn't do this. You know, they're either, as Brant would say, they're winging it or they hear, you know, you got to work on strategy and you sort of work on that for a long time, but they just don't go and, and, and get at it. Um, do you have like a form, a process where you say, definitely write, I'm, I'm going to make this up, but let's say you write things in the old SMART model, you know, that acronym, or you get as granular as you can with detail and, and, and end dates. Are you, when you talk about this, as people are listening, is that sort of where you're going to just start jumping at it, um, but, but make it actionable? Yeah. And I think the difference is most organizations that I work with will use some kind of objective setting um, goals. Goal, goal framework, right? Smart goals, um, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? There's yeah. there's a billion of them. I mean, there's a, there's a whole suite. And most organizations don't suffer from a lack of process. Um, but what they suffer from is a lack of involving the right people at the right time to deal with the barriers to execution, which are the barriers to belief. Um, you know, I, mm. I, I will honestly say, you know, I've walked out of meetings. Most of our listeners are going to start nodding here with like, here's our big goal. And we're like, okay, that's a bucket of nothing. Like, <laughs> like there's all kinds of problems and no one wanted to hear about it. Um, and so, so you kind of walk out of just the goal setting process with the feeling of failure. Mm -hmm. um, 
without without even knowing how to get start or being willing or engaged to get start getting started. Mm -hmm. And so when you start with the goal setting framework, it's really about who's engaged, who's engaged with the process. But then the second part that I think gets frequently missed is are the dots connected between individuals daily work and what we're trying to accomplish. And it's mm. that disconnect that results in the eye roll, right? That results in the, I don't, I don't see a path from here to there. So I don't believe, and because I don't believe, <clears throat> I'm just going to do what I do and we're all going to hope this works out. And by the way, yeah. um, if it's that passive, and I'm a big advocate, as you know, um, there's active hope and there's passive hope. And that wish without the work uh, has terrible results. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. need the, you need the conviction that it's compelling. There's a way to get there and an understanding of, I have, I have specific steps, actions, and behaviors I can take, and the dots are connected with a direct line of sight to how we get to execution. And there's a very visible scoreboard, right? So, so when you come back into goals that really spark action, um, number one, it's about engaging the right people in the conversation and, and putting the stop blocks into the discussion, into the goal setting and the planning process that understands the goal may be universal for a team or an organization, but the language of the goal is specific to the individual. Um, if I could share just a short story. Yeah. Um, so yeah. when I was, and this is, this was, this was one of my double palm. I could have like, I could just smack myself moments, which if you're a great leader, you've run into these, right? Challenge your own assumptions. Um, I spent a couple decades with the hospitality industry and the L and D function learning and development and trainers are the great translators. Like that's what we do. We kind of mm -hmm. sit between strategy at the C-suite and execution in the front lines. That's our secret sauce and our magic. And um, was 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 working with a, a couple of restaurants. We were on a regional tour, so you, you stop in, talk to people, look at systems, tools, and processes. And so you talk to you know, look at the reports and the stats. Talk to the multi-unit manager. Food cost is the deal. And for those that aren't familiar with the industry, food cost is is a is a really important cost control element in mm -hmm. in a restaurant, right? It's it can be anywhere from you know twenty to fifty percent plus of of you know, where, where, where your cost, where your costs are going. So it's a big deal. Um, and so you talk to the management team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, food cost, that's the deal. We're really focused on food cost. Happened to be doing, uh, you know, walking around, talking to frontline crew, met a cook who's on like his third day in his first restaurant job, which I love. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, Hey, you know, what's the big focus where we work on? Oh, we're working on food cost. You know what? That's so awesome. So, you know, what, what are you doing? Like, what have you learned that maybe I could take from this and share with others? That that's really a best practice. And I had that uncomfortable moment when I realized um, he felt like I set him up, like the mm. blank look and the eyes glaze over, like I was prepared to answer <laughs> with the food cost, but I did not expect the follow-up. And the truth is, I have no idea. Um, and when I said that's that moment where I could have, you know, kind of the double face palm, it's that realization that uh, we're putting a lot of strategy and dialogue and conversation behind this term in corporate speak that we all kind of get, but we didn't take the time to make it understandable and actionable to the people we were relying on to make the impact, right? And so that's, I think if, if the business leaders kind of, and leaders and managers um, who are spending time with this conversation, there's a pause point that says, are we really connecting the dots? Yeah. Are we really helping the people we're relying on for execution to understand what does that mean in their daily work? Not just, you know, not just the executive words we use, but block and tackle, front line, <laughs> doing the work, um, and being able to say the work I do is impacting this big lofty goal, the smart objective or whatever the framework is. Mm -hmm. um, but taking it from strategy conversation truly into execution means connecting the dots and then again, making it actionable right? Mm -hmm. Sparking action, sparking behavior, and letting people feel successful when they look at the scoreboard and see that their daily work is making an impact. So thanks Love for that. the opportunity to share. It's an embarrassing story, but I share it all no. the time because I'm not scared of my mistakes. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brant, you, you don't really get any of your goals accomplished when you are mm -hmm. listening to, um, <laughs> when you're listening to Donna, I, I, and I'm joking, I actually think you get a ton of work done. Like from an execution standpoint, you just go at it and you're able to bang things out where I probably now have compensated 
the other direction. Like I'm constantly thinking holistically, <clears throat> strategically, you know, ultimately I'm going to get there. And I was just the opposite. I used to just shoot fire aim. you know, it was go, 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 go and get things done. And then, um, you know, I had a moment a, a little bit like yours, Donna, but it was me personally going, I don't think strategically at all. Like I am at the behest of operations has told me or asked me to do something. I will just go figure it out and get it done. But I'm not thinking, is it even a training problem? Is there a behavioral problem? Could I enlist other resources versus me trying to roll up my sleeve and get it done? And actually somewhere back here is one of my favorite books, Execution, which you probably are familiar with, with um, Ram Sharam and Larry Bossidy. I used to love that book because that book basically is going, you, you got to stop strategizing quit i'm thinking of george w bush strategery you got to stop thinking about this stuff you have to just go and, and and at some point have at it and attack it but it really is sort of a balance between the two so that's my way of sort of throwing it over to you brant and thinking what do you think about about this concept because crafting goals that spark action i think sometimes you just spark action you get it done it just happens to be on the right path for you i would think right well this is how I know. Hope? This is how I know we're brothers is because I literally like the whole time you're talking, I'm setting this up in my head going, Jim, I'm glad you talked about my one of my favorite things, strategery. And and I'm like, I was getting ready to do it and you you said it. So I know we're on the same wavelength <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, it's funny, sort of Donna, listening to what you're saying, I uh, in my head I've got two things running. I've got a little bit of Ted Lasso and I've got a little bit of, of uh, the work I did at, at Cornell um, in my certification program that I was doing. And so, you know, I, I love for those uh, that have seen Ted Lasso, you know, the, the big sign that says believe that is above the doorway. Right. Um, and I was always moved by that in the show. Um, but then when we started doing some work, in the psychology of leadership at Cornell, what we, what we learned is that belief is not a choice. Um, we treat it like it is, but it is not a choice. Belief is simply what we can convince ourselves of period. So you're not choosing. Cause if you don't convince yourself of it, you aren't going to believe period. And so, so because of that, it brings into account what you're talking about of actionable things that can be done because the more actionable steps that happen, even if they're very short steps lead to convincing yourself that you are headed in the right direction and you are moving towards that goal. It's when there is that disconnect, uh, as you're saying of the dots that don't happen, that belief is never, it's not going to be an option because you're never going to convince yourself that it's actually possible. And so, you know, I, I really like this idea. And, and the second thing I'll say, and it's earlier on what you were talking about, the type of language that we use, right? A, a little stronger language in how we are presenting things. One of the things we learned about in that course was emotional contagions. And, and they sort of function, as, the way I describe it is like a yawn. You know, you see someone yawn and you you yawn. It's just, it's, it's, you're not trying to yawn. Um, it just, it's, it just happens. Um, emotional contagions work the same way. They're caught like, like a yawn. And if you are putting forth weak language, um, if you are putting forth doubt in anything that you're doing, it will be caught by the entire team. Um, and, and it makes it that much more difficult to get them to believe that something is possible. And so if you, it, it, you know, on the other side, use very calculated, strong language, um, then you're actually going to allow them to catch that emotion that, that is positive, that is forward momentum. Um, it, it seems that you're sure of something, even if you're not, um, they are catching that and will share that sense of belief um, because you are speaking, you know, we, I, I, there's an article by Gary, uh, uh, written about Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, several years ago in the New York, uh, New York times that talked about him basically speaking about him owning the New York jets one day, as if it's a foregone, a foregone conclusion. And the, the, uh, journalist was talking to Gary's brother and he's like, it's just weird. Like he, he talks about it, like it's just going to happen. And his brother said, yeah, of course he's speaking it into existence. And that 
it is was the light bulb moment for me. You know, the the values work, the stuff that I do on on my side of the fence um, don't mean anything unless you speak them into existence. And when you're talking about strategic anything and trying to put that onto to reach as far down as that frontline employee, um, you have to speak it into to existence with conviction so that that emotional contagion is caught as far down the line as possible. Would you agree with that statement? hundred percent, hundred percent. I've done some study work as well. When you talk about emotional contagion, um, I do a lot of work in the hope and hope centered leadership um, area. And that's one of the things that's really emerged in the research and the data, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, when there is a strong, um, a strong sense of belief. And I think the key is that it's credible. Um, people can hang on to that and really dig into that with, um, it's compelling. It's compelling enough for me to want to figure it out and take action. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels real to me. And I think the other mm -hmm. thing with emotional contagions that's come out of that research is when, when that level of intensity is disconnected from reality, Mm -hmm. um, it actually has a demotivating effect, right? Totally. When people are Pollyannish. So, um, so I think I would agree whole, wholeheartedly. I think that's very well, very well stated, Brent. Yeah. And important. Awesome. Jim, yes. I'm going to just hang it up right now. I can't get any smarter than that last. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to take the last two thoughts? I, then? I think you should just, I'm just going to shut up for the rest of the time. I sound pretty darn smart right now. And so I'm just going to shut up for the rest of this episode. Yeah. Well, I got a chance to maybe catch up with you guys on the last two, which we'll take. Listen, we will be right back after this message. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Donna, give us a second thought that rocks. How do you up your execution game? Yeah, I think uh, so. This is really a neat uh, tie into where we left the conversation before the break. Um, and I always, you know, I joke we, we started this this conversation talking about the weather, but when it comes to execution, stop talking about the weather. Um, and it's not the W-E-A-T-H-E-R, but it's the weather, as in mm. if. It's that mm. lack of conviction. Um, maybe we can. Is it possible? Oh, the project, it, you know, it's fallen off. Um, it's it's fallen off, off the project plan. Um, or we've been working at this for a while. Man, I just, I don't know if we're going to, right? That weather, um, which is the yes, no. And really shifting that conversation. Instead of talking about the weather, in terms of execution, focus on the how. Focus on the how. You can't go back and get yesterday's results out of the trash. So wherever you are today, whether it's ahead on track or behind, the only question that matters in the game of execution is how do we move forward, not how do yeah. we look back, right? So I think that's the second big thought is stop talking about the weather and shift into talking about the how and get teams focused on the how. How do we move forward? Um, how do we continue to pursue into the future instead of giving up, losing focus, or frankly, losing hope and belief. Man, that's a, that's a good one. I, I would think there are people on the team that if the leader is, is good and they can sort of curtail that and, and maybe talk about that and be very forward thinking, it, it, you know, I, I would see that as being very viable. I wonder, I wonder if it works the same way if the leader is the one who's constantly looking back, you know, and it, it, it reminds me of one of my uh, favorite Chinese proverbs. The best time to plant a tree is, is uh, you know, 20 years ago, but the second best time is today. You can't do anything about the past. You know, you can't do anything about that. And so why not just focus on today being in the present? Again, this is where strategy comes in. You've got to think, you know, about ultimately the things that you're working on, whatever the outcome that you're shooting for, as Brant is famous for saying, you can't control the outcomes, but we can certainly have a goal to shoot for, but just getting it done. Yeah. Sometimes you got to just go, I, I know we've tried that before. I, I know this is what's in your past. I know, I know, I know. Let, let's just take what we have right now and move forward. I think that's, it's brilliant. Brant, you were going to say something. Yeah. You know, I think this has got to earlier on, you were talking about sort of 
dealing in hope, right? And, and when you're sort of in this hope focused leadership, um, it's this second thought has to have a, a massive effect, um, when it comes to dealing in anything with hope, right? So in, in the work that I do, you know, hope is a four letter word. <laughs> um, and, and most organizations don't want to talk about hope, um, which, which is mind blowing to me from, from the monumental impact that hope can have on an, on an organization's culture. Right. Um, and, and when we break down hope, it's simply a combination of desire and expectation. And, and so when we look at hope being, um, sort of the formula is desire plus expectation equals hope. Um, then we look at what you're talking about when you start using things like weather, <laughs> um, instead of how, uh, that how, when you're explaining, um, does two things. Number one, it gives them confidence to want to continue to desire to achieve that said goal, um, but also sets the expectations as to what the next steps are going to be to, to get there and instead of just, look, just get it done. I don't care how you do it. Just get it done. Well, some people might love the, uh, the, you know, the sort of the autonomous nature of that, but there are many people that go, how, <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds great. And I will do whatever it takes, but uh, you know, throw me a bone here, show me something, give me the next, give me, you know, some bad Ikea instruction booklet that shows me how to do something next, but just don't ask me to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Cause that's not my job. Um, so do you find that when you, when you are not leaning into the how that you it has a direct correlation with people's hope? for achieving that said goal? 100%. So, and I'm a big, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of different models. I'm a big fan of Charles Snyder's work with the cognitive model of hope. So, um, mm -hmm. which is really this idea of goals that are compelling. Like there's a reason people want to get to the goal that it's important. Um, and then the component of pathways thinking, which is acknowledging there isn't just one road there. There's multiples. And there might be some you haven't even thought of before, and that's okay. Um, and then personal agency, which is that core belief that each individual has or can obtain the skills and capacity to walk a path and get there. And so when we talk about that idea of the shift from whether into how, um, and I think Brent, that's a really key distinction. The whole, the whole hands-off, well, we just need to get there. Why don't you do the best thing you can imagine? Well, some people are like, I could not imagine the first plan we had. Yes. I don't know where to go from here. This, yes. is, this is very confusing. Um, and so, so that idea of um, instead of looking back, we're going we're gonna to keep our focus between the guardrails and be perfectly clear. We are advancing to the goal and we will achieve it because it's compelling and important, right? And I think that's that's the key point when we talk about execution and strategy. Great strategy against an unimportant goal is not best, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it's great strategy against a compelling goal and then inviting multiple paths of how and really guiding the conversation. Um, and I think it's important when, when we're looking forward into that shift of how we're not just looking for one path. We're really trying to make the multiple paths appear because it is possible when we, when we talk about, you know, the key to execution, how likely is it there's going to be a boulder in the road or a problem in the path? Uh, super high, <laughs> super mm -hmm, yeah. high. In fact, it's more likely not, you know, more likely than less likely that there's going to be a bump or a barrier or an issue that we're going to have to work our way around. And so in, by, by kind of elevating this idea of how there are multiple paths, let's pick the best one, the one that's the most likely to be successful. But mm -hmm. hey, if we run into roadblocks, we have options. We can choose to muscle through or we've already got an idea of how to sidestep and keep going. Um, and I think that's part of the magic of, of how with regard to hope theory is, is that idea of multiple, multiple pathways. It is that expectation of, we don't wonder if we're going to, if we're going to get there, we're going. <laughs> the only thing we wonder is which road are we going to ride into town on? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and so that's that important, the expectation and I, and I, and I'm going to, for the Star Wars friends out, fans out there, you know, it's, there is no, you know, do or do not, there is no try. Yes, Thank you, right. Yoda. I mean, that's, that's kind of one A, um, which is, 
we're not attempting for achievement. We're not, we're pursuing a goal. We're achieving a goal. Um, we're executing multiple options of paths on the way, but be clear, we're not confused about whether we're going there, we're going. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's the question of how. I think that's, the, first off, I thought this was going to be some fighting words for Donna because, you know, Donna's one of the many things that she focuses on and her book will be around hope-centered leadership. And I think, you know, I think the different uh, ways of looking at hope, you're right, it could be, Brant, a four-letter word because if you're just out there hoping stuff's going to get done, that's one mindset and you're not going to go anywhere unless it's just sheer dumb luck <laughs> that you actually get there versus I think... Donna, what you're saying, your approach is we are definitely going to get there. It's just how do you how do you do that and who's going with me and what path and knowing there's still going to be some obstacles out there because, you know, we we, uh, we actually know some hope dealers out there. You know, Brett Culp, um, Derek Kiango, uh, Clint Pulver. These are like some of the most positive people, but there's no way that I would go. They're totally making it up and just hoping that something's going to happen. They have a process, a plan in place. There's design, there's strategy, but they're also getting at it and, and they're getting about it quick um, in some cases. And maybe it takes longer by design. So I, I, I love that whole approach. Stop talking about the weather with the H. That's a good one. <laughs> No H. Um, you know, the one the one thing, too, that I just want to kind of share, and I laughed a little bit, Brent, when you said it kind of the, the um, hope is not a four-letter word, which I, I, I kind of use with some frequent, because I run into people um, frequently that have that mantra, right? Hope is not a strategy. Mm -hmm. And I always say, you know, and thank goodness, because the success rate of strategy is actually pretty low. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so thank goodness for that. You know, hope is not a strategy, but it is a key to execution. Um, and I think that's part of the shift when we when we really get into it. This is there's the misconception of the wish that doesn't do the work. Yeah. Um, and that's not how hope gets it done. Like when yeah. the chips are down, uh, if you don't have hope, man, everybody's just going to sit down and, and yeah. you can't have that. It's, the truth. it's compelling and it matters. I yeah. love that. And technically, hope is a four letter word. I'm just saying <laughs> there's always the there's always the grammarian, Jim. Yes. <laughs> All right, bring us home. What is your third thought? Awesome. So, you know, I think the, so the third, the third thought with, with regard to execution is really igniting self-confidence. Sometimes as leaders, and this is most true for leaders of teams and leaders of organization, um, we get to a level of leadership because we have a certain level of confidence. We have a certain level of experience. We have a certain level of perspective that says, oh, I know how to, I know how to do this. Um, and when we decide the path and don't create a level of self-confidence in individuals, we don't lead the results. We manage the results. We're pushing from behind instead mm -hmm. of leading from the front. And so there's some steps specifically in developing self-confidence that, that really run through the three key things that we've talked with. I, I I actually teach a, a hope framework, not ironic, it was by, int by intent, mm -hmm. um, but it's the habits, optimism, perseverance, and energy are kind of the four critical um, competency areas uh, for leaders. And, and built on that foundation, inspiring self-confidence in individuals on the team to see the goal, really see the paths emerge, understand that multiple paths can emerge, and that's okay. There isn't necessarily a right or a wrong, there's just different. Um, mm. And so we can talk about what's different, and that's important to maintaining self-confidence. Um, and then the other part that goes hand in hand with that is with regard to personal agency, um, one of one of the big elements is around the area of communi a delegation, communication around delegation specifically. Um, I talk with a lot of leaders and even a lot of managers who you ask the question, like, let's talk about delegation. Who really loves delegation? And there's this pause where people look around the room like we're supposed to say we love delegation because we're leaders and we know that, but we don't like it. Um, and we, we name the elephant in the room. And when we dig into the reason why, uh, what frequently comes up is I don't. I don't believe that, you know, my people necessarily will consistently deliver or mm -hmm. they'll consistently deliver right or well. And so we have to kind of challenge some of those mindsets. Well, what is right and well? Is that is that what the goal, objective and work needs or is that your personal preference as a leader? 
Mm-hmm. And and when the answer is that's my personal preference as a leader, then we really have to come into exploring coaching and exploring what does that mean for self-confidence. The second thing that we find with regard to delegation is many leaders think it's like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. I can either delegate or not delegate. Mm-hmm. The reality is delegation is more like the dimmer switch. There's levels of delegation. Um, which when aligned appropriately with an individual's knowledge of a situation or skill um, can be really, really effective. And you can continue to turn the lights on higher and higher as they get more experience, but that's important for cultivating confidence, the willingness to pick up the ball and run it, the willingness to look at um, a process or a, even a challenge or even look at the goal and say, hey, maybe, maybe I can add value to the pursuit in a way that no one else thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so effective delegation by levels, not the on off switch, but the dimmer switch where we provide an appropriate framework for people to ignite self-confidence that they don't have to wait for permission and they don't have to be scared of doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, we, we set up the guardrails early. So self-confidence says, look, I can, I can take some reasonable risks if they're aligned with the goal, they're framed appropriately in our culture. Um, and I understand where, you know, where's the line between asking permission and asking forgiveness, right? Yeah. If yeah. if maybe the things I try don't go as well as I expected. You know, when I, I wish I would have thought about the dimmer switch concept um, when, when I was running training and development at Hard Rock. We, uh, we had created around the competencies, a bunch of project packets. I think actually some of the work that you did, Donna, with Tony Quist, when you guys were at uh, Perkins and Marie Callender's, very robust, detailed, um, actionable things that leaders could do, that they would grow their skill set. Because there's nothing worse than you doing your performance appraisal, maybe working on some sort of an individual development plan. Somebody says, you need to get better at communicating. You need to get better at delegating. But then you go, well, what does that mean? What am I supposed to do within the four walls of the business? How do I get better? And and you learn by doing. And so we had created a series of specific actionable projects that you could do, sometimes with other people. And I'll give you an example. Since we were talking about strategy earlier, if somebody said you're not thinking strategic, all you do is you just you, you go out there and you're, you're busting things out. And you look very busy and you're a, you're like a fireman. You go in and you save the day, but you're working in the business. You're never working on the business. You got to think strategically. So here are five, six different things that were written in a packet, but it wasn't like you said, it wasn't different degrees. It was just, if you do these things, you will by, by natural osmosis, you're going to get better at strategy. One of them was crazy. We would set up a chessboard in the manager's office and two people, the one that's having to work on strategy would be playing against, let's say, the general manager, and they would have their business card. One would make a move and flip the card, and the GM might be there that day, or maybe she or he would come in the next day and make a move. But thinking four, five, six steps ahead, which is what the object is to win in chess, you've got to think strategic. You can't just go in there and just start playing. I mean, and and so people would go, what? You're playing chess in in the restaurant? Yeah, but one of many things that you could do. Here's another one since we're talking about uh, communicating and delegation specifically. I remember somebody maybe was really good at barking out orders. They had no problem telling people what to do. But now that you're in a leadership role, the goal is that you should be able to marshal the resources. And one of those was, and I'm going to make this up, but we would say, I need you to go and clean up the, uh, the you know, the um, the receiving area, completely redo it. And we're going to paint the walls. But you personally you're not allowed to lift a single finger. You can't do it. So now it forces you to have to go and think, who do I get that can actually get this done? And it forces them. And of course, there's a nice byproduct for the restaurant, but the goal is to immerse people in as many of these activities to, to make the competency in your, your point much more real than just some esoteric concept to just say you need to get better, but you you don't provide them any detail. I, I guess in sharing those stories, I wish there would have been different levels. There's one that is hardcore, you're all in, and others where maybe it's um it's a slightly different muscle that you're using. It might be more mental than it is physical that could still achieve the same result depending on what you're looking for. I know that was a lot there, but I, I do like the idea um, a lot. Love it. 
Yeah, um, you know, one of the models, XL Energy does a really great job uh, in in when they provide that training and that communication, which I think is a great model. Um, in that when they uh, when they roll out or implement a process or a change, part of that communication is uh, they present both good and great. Instead of just saying everybody has to execute at this at this level, this binary on or off, you either hit it or you don't. Yeah. Um, they've created a model where they kind of say, look, here's baseline. This is good. A really good manager, a really good leader um, does these things, has these conversations, and it's really helpful. And and for some, that's enough, right? Yeah. In that inspi- and that flips back to like, how do you inspire confidence of those you're, you're <laughs> asking to take on the role of execution? Um, but then they also have a second section that says, you know, if you want to be great, now this is the high bar, but you could also do or experience these things, these behaviors, these habits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really... Part, you know, part of that um, kind of that shift into how and then also the combination of inspiring self-confidence is presenting pathways earlier mm-hmm. um, and understand that different, you know, <clears throat> exe- exe- execution is also the dimmer switch, right? There's like, here's us getting it done, but here's us really getting it done. And here's us chin in the bar, right? I think that'll, you know, anybody who's been to the gym, it's, there's a difference. You know, we might, we, we did a workout today, but man, which, uh, which workout was it, right? There's levels of that and that's okay. Um, and so, so I thought, I thought their model was really interesting and we did some of that work, a lot of that work actually at, at uh, Perkins and Marie calendars as well yeah. in terms of um, presenting ideas, information, or interactions in how do you create, how do you, how do you really foster and encourage self-confidence? Um, yeah. And we did do a lot of training even around supervisors around how do you set the table for future success in how you respond to failure today? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's I, the three of us have had a background where, where the self-confidence is probably high, you know, because whether it was L and D um, you know, learning and development focus in your training and instructor led classes, you know, community theater, my music degree, um, Brant, pastoring a church, rock star for 25 years. Like we've been in front of people and I'm trying to think if there were other people that are listening, perhaps in other departments, because we all know that being in front of other people, speaking is the number one fear of all people, of of all humans. You almost have to do that fear factor, right? And so when I think about this igniting self-confidence, again, I think you've got to throw yourself in the deep end. Maybe the dimmer switch, there's degrees that you can get there, but you're never going to get better unless you actually do it. It's like, you know, I I used to do a two day, um, teach people how to speak, how to facilitate, how to get better at presenting. And uh, the first day is really a lot of information overload and it's through a PowerPoint and there's little (laughs) mini exercises. It's day two is the secret sauce. You actually physically have to do a presentation in front of people where you're being evaluated and videotaped and the whole thing, but you can't skip the first day. You need the information to get better. And you definitely can't go to day one and then skip out on day two. And that people do that all the time. They've got to immerse themselves. And I, I clearly remember I think people would probably not know this about me that know me now. I had a fear of being in front of other people and speaking all the way through the end of high school. It's only because I, I had to start doing some of this in college. I had to do some speeches in front of people and I was performing more, but as a manager at hard rock, like a, like a basic floor manager, I volunteered to do every pre-shift. I volunteered to handle every guest complaint. I volunteered to do interviews. Like I just said, I've got to get better at this and I'm going to overcome it. And so you start immersing yourself in the deep end. You're, you're going to naturally get better. And so you know, I look at all three of these, not just crafting goals to spark action, stop talking about the weather with the H, which I love, and igniting self-confidence. Like your your goal has to be, if, if you're trying to up your execution game, you've just got to get into it. You've got to start immersing yourself. And listen, if you're not good at it, there's probably a lot of people around you that can help you get there, right? Absolutely. You know, um, in my in my coaching practice and also in 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 my historical training, uh, we would always talk about the um, the expectation that everybody's going to be a black belt on their first day. (laughs) Right. Um, And especially if you've had success in an area and suddenly you're going to try something new, it does feel awkward. And that feeling of this is awkward and uncomfortable. 
that's actually what learning is supposed to feel like. I don't know if people know that or not, but if it feels super comfortable and you feel like I'm a rock star at this, um, congratulations. That's called performance. It's actually not necessarily learning. So if we want to continue to grow, we got to continue to learn. Real growth is painful. Just ask the trees. So um, yes. part of that part of that igniting self-confidence is be willing to be a beginner. And when yeah. you run into those those feelings of this doesn't feel good, I don't feel like I am successful at this. Yeah, that's just that's where learning occurs, and that's the journey of getting to successful, right? And we have to part of igniting self confidence is remembering you don't just you don't I would I cannot just walk on the mat and throw down yeah. in in any game or sport. I am not that athletic. I could learn it. Uh, yeah. But the first day is going to be rough. And I got to come to terms with that and know that I'm engaging in the process of learning. That is what learning feels like. Yeah. Everybody knows you have to paint the fence first. Right? <laughs> you Correct. Get or wax the car. <laughs> Either one. Either one. You start with both of those. Donna, since we're talking a little bit about hope-centered leadership, um, I, I know that you are working on your book. Um, but but sort of share with us how people can get in touch with you and some of the work that you do and this upcoming, uh, this upcoming product. I'd love to. Thank you so much. So, of course, my name is Donna Herbal. And so DonnaHerbal.com, I tried to make it really easy to remember. And then I realized there are only E's in my last name. So if spell check turns that into uh, something with an A, it's not right. So yes. DonnaHerbal.com. Um, and then my uh, training company and consultancy is Blue Phoenix Learning. And so you can find uh, me with either through either of those channels on LinkedIn um, or Facebook. And then, of course, on Twitter, whoops, X, uh, Donna Herbal um, would, would be a great way to connect as well. Um, and then um, I think beyond that, engaging on social, engaging through the website is certainly appropriate. Um, message me directly. I'm very accessible and responsive. And with the upcoming book uh, will be starting pre-launch shortly. It'll be available um, through year end, and I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm excited for a couple of reasons. Um, first, I'm excited about the mentors and resources who've been able to add, add value um, to the conversation yeah. and provide practices. The design is actually more of a workbook style designed to be used for leaders with um, activities and practices and behaviors that, that they can instill into their leadership framework um, mm. to inspire action, to inspire hope, um, and to really leverage these skills for unprecedented execution. So that's that's the framework of it. So uh, yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm super excited about it. And I invite people to participate, follow along, get snapshots early. Um, and I think the, the two reasons that I really wanted to share this idea of hope-centered leadership and put together... Uh, this really guide and resource was number one, when I started leading teams and managing early, early on in my career, a couple decades ago, um, there were a lot of resources that were philosophical mm -hmm. and I did not need philosophy. Like I was knee deep in the shift yeah. with things going on and people asking questions and I did not need theory. I needed, I needed a like, execution. give me a break. I needed execution. Yeah. And so, um, and so like many of us, um, we've learned it by, we've learned it by trial and error. Uh, and I think it'd be easier to learn, you know, help people learn by trial and success. <laughs> so that was yeah. number one. Um, and I think the second reason that it was really important to put this information, this conversation together was, um, we have we have a demographic challenge coming down the pike, right? We've heard about the gray tsunami, the gray wave. There's a lot of skill and mentorship that is leaving our businesses. Mm -hmm. And we've gone through a couple of different cycles, continue to have cycles um, economically where there's fewer opportunities for new employees to continue to advance their skills and kind of do the baby steps of learning to be an inspirational leader. So when they take that step, the step is farther and harder. Um, and we're coming into an era where mentorship and guidance may not be as readily available. And yeah. so really taking the time now to distill and define what it is to be a hope-centered and inspirational leadership uh, or inspirational leader um, just becomes more important today to prepare for what will continue to be an uncertain future. So yeah. it's, it's the stuff I think not only our businesses, but also our teams and our communities need. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Well, I definitely learned a lot. I, I did notice um, Brant came with the thunder on the first thought and then fizzled out the rest of the uh, episode. So I tried to make up where I could. Donna. Um, you, you know, we complete each tough. other. It's how that how that works. Um, I, I'm very excited about your book, and I'm just excited about your career and where you are and what you're doing now. And and uh, I know that um, I have sat through some of your training, which are just flat out funny and educational at the same time. It's the edutainment that Brant and I like to talk about. So kudos to that. You're going to be successful no matter what you do. But I hope there are some people that really, um, you know, paid attention and listened today because, you know, we, we certainly need people to get in the game and make things happen. And, um, you know, like we said, hope is uh, you, you don't want it to be something that's just sort of loosey-goosey out there and that's all you're hanging your hat on. To your point, you really want to make sure that you're coming behind it with some really good detailed um, action and, uh, and getting some stuff done. So thank you for sharing your process and your thoughts, and uh, we'll be watching you from a distance. We love you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Love you back. Take Great care. work. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are, and grabbing those little nuggets of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by. So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review so that we can continue to grow the show. That's That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org. Finally, if you're interested in having Brant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock on! Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.